It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. You're listening to the Sharks Audio Network. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, we now have joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. We've got Dan Ruzanowski and Drew Remenda as we get ready to look at everything happening in the Sharks world right now as we approach the home opener. We'll take a look at everything else that's happening around the league to an extent as well. Dan, Drew, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey. How are you, Ted? I think we're really excited. We've had a great trip to Prague. I know that there weren't any victories in those two games, but it gives the Sharks at least a measuring stick of where they need to be. And I think that the measuring stick shows some positive things. So I'm looking forward to starting out here with the season opener at SAP Center against Brent Burns, and then the next night, Doug Wilson night. And after that, we get back on the plane and go back to New York. What did you like like about the... uh, What were the positive things you thought? To me, what showed uh, very, very much in evidence to me was that David Quinn is going to have this team prepared. They didn't play that well the first night, but he had a very strong talking to them after that game, and I think that they were much better the next night. They played with pride. They played with some depth. They, they showed that uh, uh, that there was some chemistry that was developing. We got a couple of works in progress, Drew, I think. Uh, with the, with the team, but Luke Cunning was probably the one thing that I was impressed with. He looked like he's, yeah, he's he's fitting in with with Hurdle and with Meyer very very well, and that's really a good sign. I liked some of the things that I saw from Lindblom, although he was a little bit more, uh, shall we say, scattered in, in some of his shifts. I like the approach that Kevin LeBanc had. I know the stats showed he was minus three the first night, but he's shooting the puck, and when he's getting the puck toward the net, that's something he absolutely has to do. So it seems like he's gotten some of that message, and he looks like he's pretty healthy. Uh, as for, you know, uh, you know the rest of the lineup, it's still a work in progress, but Kapo Kakinen was, uh, was, I think, pretty solid. James Reimer gave them good goaltending the first night in the losing effort. So all in all against the Nashville Predators team that I think is going to be one of the better teams in, in the Western Conference, that was a, a pretty decent showing for the first time out. Yeah, Drew, I want to ask you about a couple of things that we saw in the first two games. One of the most impressive ones to me was the line um, with LeBanc and Couture and Lorenz in uh, night number two. And Kevin LeBanc, especially in both games, I thought that he was much more involved than we saw him in limited capacity last year. And overall, just a, uh, a willingness to make himself involved. Like that, to me, is like if a guy is trying to jump on the puck, if he's trying to make things happen, that to me is pretty telling that the, the message got through to him at least for two games. Well, he's got a lot to prove, you guys. He really does. He has a ton to prove as far as well, – he, he wants to prove it to himself, number one, after coming back from an injury that was pretty significant. And he did sign the good contract after the, the Vegas heroics. But he needs to be an impact player. He, he's got to figure out who he is, and it's going to take a little, a little while. Danny and I were talking this morning at, and about there's some long-term projects with this San Jose, San Jose Sharks team. Lorenz is one of them. Nudevara is one of them. Limblom's one of them. Kevin LeBanc's one of them. 
guys who haven't played very much in the last um, couple of seasons in the NHL, and they're going to need to be given some time to figure out who they are and what kind of game they need to play in order to be a regular contributor and impact player. So there's, there's going to be some projects and some patience is going to be needed from everybody watching and evaluating those guys. You know what else too? It's after these guys figure it out, then they have an adjustment to make when everybody knows what they're about to do. Remember when Jeff Friesen first came in the NHL and, you know, everybody thought he was going to score 45 goals a year after having a decent rookie year. And then all of a sudden he found out that everybody knew all of his, his moves and all of his act and he had to make another adjustment. I think we're going to see some of that too. Uh, you know, that goes with the kids that are developing at the Barracuda level. But, but I also saw some accountability, which I really liked over the weekend too. Noah Gregor wasn't very good in game one, and he sat out in game two. And the coaching staff had a long talk with him after that. I think these are good things that, uh, that the coaching staff is implementing. Immediate accountability, a dedication to a work ethic, and a system that's relatively simple to, to adjust to, but, but one that ha- has some real big demands on all of the players that are on the roster. Yeah, Drew, the Noah Gregor question. Yeah. I felt like he wasn't getting himself involved. I felt like he was a non-factor in game number Uh one. Uh How do you correct that? Because we saw towards the end of last year, Noah Gregor came on pretty strong. I mean, is that just a kind of a wake-up message from the coaching staff of like, hey, you've got to be better than that? Because I do view Gregor as an effort guy. He's not a guy who will you know, be passive in his play, but he simply just was not part of what we saw on the ice in game one. Yeah, you're 100% right. And so what you do is you show him video. You show him video, Just you talk to him, you communicate with him, saying this is what we expect of you. This is where we know that you can go. And this is, and you don't have to be, you don't have to beat him over the head with it. Three or four shifts, be detailed in your video. Mm-hmm. And and reasons why I'm showing you these clips and reasons why you're not playing today. The the thing from a coaching perspective is keep it detailed, keep it short, keep it business like. Don't be personal. And Noah, I agree with you, Ted. Last year near the end, started to figure it out. And there was a coach that I used to work for that used to say to me, you know, when we we discuss and talk about players. And they used to talk about the coach that these guys think they're working hard. They think they're, they're giving maximum effort. They believe that they are, but we can tell from our point of view, they're not, they get, mm-hmm. they get into, for lack of a better term, comfort zone. They think this is the max that they can give. And there's little things like nowadays it's, it's being first to the pocket, chipping the puck in and getting there, getting your nose over the puck, getting to the, being able to protect the puck under pressure, getting to the right areas. And so you can make, be an impact, keeping your feet moving, being in the right position at the right time. And like Danny talked about the system with, with the coaching staff, some guys, sometimes guys just get out there and they coast, but they, they think they're doing the job. No, it wasn't. And, and the one thing as you search for that, the big C word consistency, consistency is being able to repeat the same thing over and over again but consistency can also just be I'm consistently not getting my friggin' feet moving. And he wasn't, he needs, he needs to get himself into a new mental set that this isn't good enough here. I got to get to here. 
And that video session's already happened, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I saw right. some evidence of that right away. And I think Noah, the way that he seemed to be comporting himself after not playing in game two, showed that he was handling it professionally. Uh, the interesting thing is what you're talking about is what happens to, to every team as, as a group every single season, but even in general. And that's where you start out where, you know, you, you go on the ice and you hope you can win. And then you go a little while and then you think you can win. And then the last step is, you know, you can win, but there's a step in between that where you think, you know, you can win. And, and that's kind of where some of these guys may be, um, you know, at the start of the season, it's all new, brand new coaching staff, uh, different evaluation, new general manager and so forth. But that's the process that every team seems to go through. Um, even the best teams have to go through it. Yeah, but and with the new process and the new, new management, new coaching staff, everybody's being watched. Everything and everybody are being watched on every aspect, not just the way you're playing on the ice, but how you're purporting you're, you're doing what you do off the ice. Are you preparing for the game? What kind of, what are you eating? Are you out getting the rest or like, or out you, are you out sightseeing or whatever? Is it a business trip to you when you're on the road, when you're coming to the rink, are you getting ready and getting serious? Is this a job to you? So everybody's under that scrutiny, everybody, and they should be. I've made the playoffs in three years. Mark Edward Vlasic, Drew, entered this season under a lot of scrutiny. Thought the way he played in Berlin was a very positive sign. I thought the way he played in both of those games against Nashville was a positive sign. And when we talk about messages being sent, I, I don't think an athlete can get more of a message sent to where they finish their season and the media is talking to them about the potential of buyouts. I imagine that's quite an ego blow. It seems like he came into camp in good shape, and I, I, I appreciated the effort at the very least I saw in those first two games. Yeah, I, I tell you what, Mark Edward Vlasic has got to show a lot more. Like, I know everybody, what are we basing on his first two games? Like, he, Compared he was, to last year. Yeah, exactly. How low is that bar? Yeah. Right. I want Mark Edward Vlasic to play to his cap number. That's it. I want him to play to his cap number. Can he? I don't know. But he can at least give me the effort to try to play to his cap number. Last year, he didn't. I'm down on, I was down on Mark Edward Vlasic last year, like everybody was, because he wasn't very good. Now, if you have this new coaching staff who um, gives him the fresh start, gives him the fresh eyes and he's not thinking about the last coaching staff who were down on him as well. Then he's got a better, he's got a better chance to impress, get more ice time. Mm -hmm. And what he played Danny? He played 20 plus minutes in both games, both games. He played, he played pretty solidly. I thought so. He, yeah. Okay. So he played solidly, which is what you have to have for Mark Edward Vlasic. When you're making, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to bring up money, but it is professional sports. Yeah. And you're making that much money. You're one of the highest paid guys on the team. Playing solidly is the least you can do. Minimum standard, right? Yeah. Minimum standard. Um, I, I don't want to go into this year looking at guys who weren't very good last year or, or the way the team was last year and go, oh, well, geez, he's, he, he was better there. He was better. Give me, like I said, play to your cap number. 
That's what I expect from Mark Edward Vlasic. He's but let's let's define that though, Drew. What what does that mean in his case? What 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 do you expect from him if he's playing to his cap number? I expect twenty plus minutes. All right. I expect him not to turn the puck over. Right. I expect him not to make defensive mistakes in his own zone, especially in front of the net. Right. I expect him to contribute, chip in. He's never been a big offensive guy. Chip in a little bit here offensively. Thirty points. If he gets thirty points. Double thumbs up. If he gets 30 points, Danny, that's way to go. Good job offensively. But I expect him to be defensively sound. I expect him to be quick to pucks. I expect him to get pucks out, not turn pucks over in the defensive zone. I expect him to be Mark Edward Vlasic, defensive, trustworthy defensively, because that's what he always was, and that's why he signed the contract that he signed. You want to make play, the playoffs. Play that that's that's what number. he's got to be because that, you know, if you look at the, the roster of the Sharks defense, they need him to be that player. Mm-hmm. The coaches have already told him that. And I think it's been interesting to see because he has, I think, changed the way he trained over the course of the summer. Because so. It seems like he's got a better jump to his step. Remember that the, the pandemic year, I don't think he was able to train hardly at all because they didn't let anybody in any arenas in Quebec over the summer. However, he could have left there and gone somewhere else where he could do it, but that didn't happen. So uh, I, I think that I, I just see a little extra jump to the step. His stick seems to be quicker because his legs are better. And so uh, let's just see how this all goes with him. But I, I'm pretty bullish as to what he can do. I'm looking for a bounce back year from him. The game now, you know Daryl Sutter told his guys two years ago? You need to get lighter. You need to get lighter. You need to get faster. It's not like the old days. Put more muscle on. You got to be heavier. Daryl told the Calgary Flames that two years ago. You got to get lighter. Mark Edward Vlasic is getting older. As we get older, lots of things change in our body. Yeah, you can't eat a pizza at 11 o'clock at night and feel good the next morning. Exactly. But you also have to change the way you train. You have to change the way that, you know, you work out. Um, And... You know, now it's all about in the NHL, it's all about quickness, speed, quick, 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 think quick, not fast. And I would hope Mark Edward Vlasic, as he gets older, and he had a poor year, I would say the last two years at least, then you need to, you need to change the way you're doing something. You can't keep approaching the game the same way. So I think you're right. I think he did change the way he was training. And I think most guys nowadays in the NHL have to change the way they're training. You got to get lighter. You got to get quicker. So uh, Jesper Fast, not Jonathan Quick, is the mantra for the season. Then. <laughs> exactly. Or is it the but other no, way around? No, it's the other way around. Jonathan Think Quick, quick not, not Jesper Fast. Because I need to get from, if you and I are here, you know, I need to get here just before you so I can get inside and get my nose over the puck. I can win that one-on-one confrontation. But you still have to win first. the physical battle, too. You still yeah, have to yeah, do but that. If you're, you still if, have if to I'm be in strong. there first and I got body position, you're good. nowadays in the NHL, there's not much you can do to me. So if, if we're going to talk about the defensemen who are aging, who have a high cap number, Dan, that brings me to Eric Carlson. Sure. Uh, what, I, I thought that he was another guy who looked like he was more active and involved than some of his you know, down points with the Sharks, the 56-game schedule. I think that was the least involved, least active Eric Carlson. How much of this I – mean, here's the big question. Can, can he stay healthy if he stays healthy and plays the way in terms of – his points per game, what we looked at last year, is that playing to his cap number? Because when he was healthy, it seemed like he was a top 10 defenseman in the league, or at least in that conversation. I know that last year he was specifically the highest paid guy. I know it comes down a little bit for his this year annually, but 
you know, he's he's attached to that contract no matter what the number is on an annual basis. Jim, the expectation is sky high for Eric Carlson. Number one, all the things that Drew was talking about with training certainly apply to him. He's over the age of 30 now, so his body is starting to change a little bit. But I, I think that I think that maybe he's going to start a little bit slowly, but he always seems to have done that in his career. Yet I think the expectation for him is you're going to need to depend on him 28, 30 minutes a game in many cases, just because he's going to have to run the power play. Uh, you obviously want to develop a couple of different PK guys are working on Mario Ferraro. They can use Vlasic there, maybe redeem Shimek on the PK. So that'll take a little bit of ice time away from him that, that so he can get a rest, but um, he has to be a difference maker. That's his job. And he has to be the difference maker in the game when the money's on the line. And so time will tell as to how that goes. Again, I'm bullish as to what he can do. Um, the big thing, as you said, Ted, is he's got to stay healthy. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he can't play to that cap number. Like that cap number is extravagant. We'll win the Norris trophy basically is the cap yeah, number. But he's not, he's, he, he doesn't have, he, yeah, good luck with Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi that you're going to be able to get a sure. in, in that. So don't, he, but yeah, don't forget the, don't forget Adam Fox. But, that doesn't mean he can't contribute to that cap, that number. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like, what else can Eric Carlson do besides his play on the ice? And there's, you know, one we can I, you can pick those apart too. Stop giving up the pucks. I, I understand you go for those home run plays. I get it because you could do it before, but maybe pick your spots. There's a lot of things that Eric Carlson does really well on the ice. There's a lot of things that drive us all crazy. What Eric Carlson does on the ice. When you have but, the puck control, the game. Right. But with Eric Carlson. There's other aspects to him and his personality and his stature in the league and the stature on the team where he can contribute to being that guy. I want to see him be that guy. Do you remember? Now, it, it's, this is a while ago, and it was and it was playoff hockey. But do you remember? Um, senators are playing. I don't remember who, but it's. Was it Derek Broussard on the Senators? Yeah. Remember, the, remember it was a back check on mm -hmm. a goal. And, and I don't know if you guys saw it or not remember it, but there's a back check on a goal where I think he was, all, he was, he was all the way up ice and he was the first, he was the guy that got back. He got back first. And I think it was, I think it was Broussard didn't get back. Okay. And on the bench, Eric tore him a new one, like just was all over him, just furious. And again, I know playoffs intensity, but I get it. And he is, he is giving it to him. Got a lot of pub in, in Canada. Like Don Cherry on Hockey Night, just, he didn't even like, didn't like how he went after him. I loved how he went after him. Was That's because, you know what? We don't all get along. It's not all hugs and kisses. Like, it's going to be okay, buddy. Yeah, but with Don, with Don Cherry, EK65 isn't from Mississauga, so no, but, he's not going to like I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. He went after him, and, and I'm glad Eric did. And yeah. then right after that, next period, I think it was, Eric – hits him with a pass goal. Okay. And the, the joy on Eric's face, the emotion there. I want to see that. Now you're not going to dial it up to 10 playoff intensity all the time, but I want to see him be that guy. I want to see him be that leader more times than not. And let me counter that by pointing out that I wonder, because those were Eric Carlson's senators. Now Brent Burns is gone, which I think puts more onus on his shoulders which at the same time, you know, maybe he's the type of guy who needs that. Like, this is what I wondered about Mark Edward Vlasic. If when Brent Burns and eventually Eric Carlson come into the team, if as a previous top-tier defenseman, he felt relegated. 
I wonder if Eric Carlson felt similarly that he was not not under the thumb of a, of a Brent Burns or a Logan Couture or a Joe Pavelski or Joe Thornton, but now with so many of these big names gone, I wonder if that allows Eric Carlson to kind of puff his chest out a little bit more and be more of that intense guy that you allude to. No, it certainly gets his arms around the, the program here right now because uh, there's nobody else of that stature and that salary that's on the team. So he's got to be that guy, um, you know, along with Logan Couture being the captain of the team and Timo Meyer. And, you know, there's there's a group of that that group of players that you really are depending on. And he's right at the top of that. I think with Eric, though, last year we asked him game one, Eric, what do you expect from yourself this year? And he talked about. Well, I want to be, I want to, I want to continue to be one of the best defensemen in the league. It took me a long time to get to the mountaintop and I want to be still considered one of the elite players in this league. So I think he still puffs his chest out. Mm -hmm. I have, and I've, I've got no problem with the ego, none whatsoever. If you want to be a great at anything you do, you need the ego, especially when you're around a bunch of alpha males in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. What's that? Nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. No, an ego gets a bad rap, <laughs> um, especially when it comes to professional athletes. Yeah. But he needs to, if he wants to be that guy, I think that goes back to what you said. He, he wants the minutes. He wants to be on the ice all the time. He wants to be the guy that is looked upon at that. But show me and show the team a little bit more just from here. You know, I don't doubt that he wants it. I don't doubt that he, he still craves the competition, that he still wants to win. But I, I need to see it more. Logan Couture, I thought last year, people pointed to his stats. And I, for, to me, because of his two-way ability, I don't think you can look at Logan Couture and just look at his stats. However, Dan... That was a hell of a goal he scored at a very important time in game number two. And it would be nice if he was a guy who got his own ball rolling early in this season. Yeah, I was happy for Logan. And I, I really, uh, I'm a big Logan Couture fan. I really think that he's a, a good human being, somebody who desperately wants to win. And, you know, he could have, as Brent Burns was in a position of, asked to move over the last summer, but he didn't want to do that. He wants to be part of the solution here. Mm -hmm. And I think in game one, if you asked him, he would tell you that he wasn't very good either, as the whole team wasn't. But game two, he was he was better. He was more engaged. And I'm glad he got that reward early because Logan Couture can get hot and he can really add a lot to the team at this stage of the season because as captain of the team, he's got to be pulling, not being pulled on that rope. He's got to be the one in the lead pulling that rope and getting everybody on the right page. And I think that that's going to help him get ensconced in David Quinn's system. Mm -hmm. And the coach was really complimentary of him after game two. So uh, I, I really think that this is a big year for Logan. And again, he needs to be as is Eric Carlson, part of that big solution and not be part of the problem. It was interesting. He scored 23 goals last year. No, I mean, nothing wrong. He's yeah. solid. He had 56 points on, on a team that didn't score very much. And he, when, had, he had 23 goals. When the game is on the line, you want that guy in your lineup. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. go back and look at the playoffs. Every time he's in the postseason, yeah. no, the problem is, problem is that the Sharks haven't been in the postseason. So all, his best hockey has not been shown here the last couple of years because I really think that when the competition is at its highest, that's when he's at his best. You know, here's just looking at hockey TV. 116 playoff games, 101 points. Not too shabby at the highest level of competition. 
30, 30, 30 plus in one playoff season. 20, he had, he had 30 goals. He had 30 points in 24 in, in, um, 16, 15, 16. Yep. And then the last time the Sharks were in the playoffs, 20 points in 20 games, 14 goals. Like with He's Logan, there. you, Logan, you trust him. Logan, you know what you're going to get. I think though, the last year, I think the whole situation wore on him. I think you could see him wear it. Mm-hmm. You know, you see how, so coaches as, as they, as you see them throughout the year, or throughout the years, you see that the weight of the job weigh on them. The guys get gray, guys lose their hair. Um, you know, they just, you could see it. I think, I think the last two years you could see it wear on Logan. And now you've got the new direction. Now you've got a fresh start with obviously a goal in mind and, and a and a plan already by Mike Greer put in place. Dan, so, sorry. So I'm wondering with I'm wondering with Logan if this gives him that little juice that that he he needs to to re-energize. I believe it's going to. I really do. Dan, I wanted to ask you about Nick Benino because last year it took him so long to get a, a point, a goal. It was not the usual play we saw from him. However, he's wearing the A for the first time in his career, which I was stunned to hear that because he's such a a character guy and relatively it seems like everybody around the league loves him and points to him as a leadership character type guy. Uh, But once he did kind of get things going last year, it seemed like it was the Nick Benino of old. He started getting close to the, you know, the 0.5 or yeah, 0.5 points per game that we've known him for over the course of his career. Um, But I do, I do think he's, putting a lot of pressure on himself coming into this year. I, you know, I talked to him over the summer, right before the start of the camp, he was not very pleased with how long it took him to get rolling. And, you know, I, I feel like he wants to atone for that early on this year. And that's important because Nick Benino, he's not as young as he once was, but speed has never been a huge part of his game. I'm looking for him to have not necessarily a bounce back year, but just be impactful earlier in the year. I want to unpack a couple of things you talked about. First of all, having not worn an A before, I think is a reflection that some of those teams he played on more than on him, <laughs> probably. I mean, you think about the two Stanley Cups he won in Pittsburgh. There yeah. were a couple of other guys that might be qualified to have that letter on their sweater. And it's no, uh, no disrespect to him that he didn't there. But um, those two Stanley Cups are really important to the San Jose Sharks, to David Quinn, to Mike Greer right now, because he knows what it takes. Yeah. And it's important for him to impart that on some of the other guys that haven't seen that. Not that, you know, Logan Couture and Timo Meyer have been through some pretty good and interesting experiences here. Logan has been to the Stanley Cup final, so he knows how hard it is. But um, but I think that that's one of the things that Benino has. Getting back to what, what he did last year, he scored 11 goals in the second half of the year. 11 out of his 16 that he had, if my memory is right. And so he really came on in the second half, which is what you were talking about, Ted. I think that that was part of, of an agreement that he made uh, basically with himself that he was going to change things up. You know how, when you, you know, when you're, you're out there in, in the world of relationships and you're dating the same kind of a person all of the time, and it doesn't work out and you decide to change it up a little bit. And all of a sudden you find the person of your dreams. Well, Nick Benino agreed to play left wing last year when he didn't really want to. And he agreed to do that because he, he saw some things in his game that, that he needed to, to work on. And then he, he was getting the puck from Logan Couture, who was his line mate. So mm-hmm. uh, he found, he found that 
mojo again. Now he's back at center ice. And I think he's feeling a lot better and a lot more comfortable with, with his station in life. And, uh, you know, you look at the, the, you know, the, some of the guys that he's playing with Matt Nieto is a pretty solid, you know, winger that, uh, that can give you uh, a lot. They work together on the PK and lately it's been Oscar Lindblom on the left side. And that's one of those works in progress that Drew was talking about a guy that's, you know, come back from serious disease and all kinds of, of injury problems and everything else in Philadelphia. But when he was healthy, another guy that was looking like he had great upside in his career. So now I think that, that Nick Benino sees himself as a, as a leader of people. And I think he's going to have a very solid season that way. I mean, I don't know if he's going to score 20 goals or not. I think the coach would love it if his third line center scores 20 goals. But the mo most important thing that he can bring is, is that level of experience when things go bad or uh, to use the coaching speak, when you get adversity, which you always get during the season, it's a guy like Nick Benino that's going to help you get out of it. Yeah. It's funny when you go back to that relationship thing, um, that's exactly how my wife's life went. It is? Yeah, mine, a lot of mine guys, too. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of guys, that, and then she met the man of her dreams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, she, she, got, she got lucky. Really, when you think about it, <laughs> uh, you were the one that was lucky, pal. <laughs> <laughs> it's called outkicking your coverage. <laughs> Most sports broadcasters are pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about Limblom for a second because I thought there were a couple moments where he had some good looks, created some things, but I, you know, some first off, it's phenomenal that he's where he is at right now. What should our expectations be with him? Because he, we know what he has been, and we would hope that he's on the way to building his way back there. But in no mean way, no means, no, you know, I'm not trying to overlook the fact that he is where he is right now, considering where he's been. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a project, like we talked about earlier. I think it's, it's, he is, it's, he's going to have to work his way back, and it's going to take some time. And it wouldn't be surprising to me that he's a different player in the second half of the season versus the first half of the season, yeah. like a few other guys in the team. I'm with you, Drew. I think that uh, that he's going to have a, a period of time of where he's going to adjust not only to San Jose, but just for uh, for better way of putting it, getting back and, and getting playing back to day. full health, playing yeah. every day. And, and I, you know, they had him in the top six in the beginning. And, you know, maybe that's where they see him down the road, but I think that he's settling right in. They're giving uh, Lawrence the chance to play with Logan Couture instead, but we'll see how that, you know, that all plays out during the season. I'm with you. I, I think that if you look at his, his body of work with the flyers, for instance, you know, he scored 17 goals his first year. He, you know, he had, you know, the, the problem with cancer and then came back and won the Masterton trophy. Yeah. You, you talk to the people in Philadelphia, they were the fans and the reporters and people around the team were really not happy that the flyers bought him out and, and allowed him to be available to the sharks. They thought that he was part of, you know, a flyer culture there and, and, a, and a big part of it indeed. So um, to me, I think he's going to raise his level of value as the season goes on. And that goes right into to line with what uh, coach David Quinn wants. He wants a team that is continually getting better during the season. And he might be the poster child for that. It's been interesting though, talking to people on the teams where Stephen Lawrence come from Nico Sturm um, Limblom, you ask them, the people, you know, the other broadcasters we talk to or management that we get a chance to talk to, you ask them about those guys, they say the best, they say the same thing. Oh, you're getting the best guy in the world. He's one of the great guys in the game. It's, 
you know, when you trade for guys here and there, we hear stuff and we all, you know, get the, the down low on certain individuals, but every guy that the sharks have brought in mm -hmm. without a, without a exception, the people that I've talked to about these, these players, they say the same thing. Oh, you're getting the best guy. Great character guy. Terrific teammate. So you want to build a culture? Fits right in with what Mike Greer wants. Start. That's what Mike Greer wants to do. He wants to bring in guys like that. And he's even willing to, and he wants guys with some experience. So he's not uh, throwing the kids to the wolves. And you yeah. know, we've seen that already with Eklund and with Bordalo going to the San Jose Barracuda, as I predicted that they would. And uh, they're going to flourish and they're going to be better players because of this whole experience too. Let's talk about coach Quinn for a second there. And I, Appreciate what he said after game number two of the year. He said that we were better than we were in game number one. And I think that was an important thing for him to point out. Obviously, it sucks to lose. I, I guarantee he was not happy with the loss. But he was also happy with the fact that his guys responded. And I think that's, you know, last year the losses snowballed a bit at certain points of the year. I don't have to remind you guys of that, but it was a reality. And I think that the fact that this team showed fight against the Nashville team that pretty darn good not making like excuses. Nashville. Nashville's pretty darn good. They also match up really well with the Sharks. This is a Sharks team that's learning themselves and learning their new teammates. And even still, on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, they were the not the better team, but they were a better team themselves than they were in game number one. So how do we judge David Quinn here through the first 10, 20, 30 games? Right? Or just even big picture, like what are our... What are our checkpoints? What are our marks that we're looking for? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still a guy that's, it's the National Hockey League. You get paid to win games. They're, they're, every team should go into every season thinking we have a chance to make the playoffs. As a coach, you should be thinking about nothing else but how do I get wins out of this team? Now, through that, you have to build your team, right? You have to, you have to be realistic about your club. But the guys are playing to win, and you have to make sure that winning is, is what you're looking for. That's the bar you're setting. I don't think you can go into a season and go, well, we're a brand new group, bunch of new players, um, Hope we just we're better than we were last year. Hope we're a 500 team. No, forget that. This is a team that you, any team should be competing to try to make the Stanley Cup playoffs right to the last day. Now, from a coaching perspective, watching David Quinn at practice, I like how he communicates. I like um, how he is trying to structure the team and the way they play. He is trying to get them to play quick. He's trying to get them to play, to play a physical game. He's trying to get them to be smart and support each other. But for me, I'm going to judge him on wins. The way he communicates to the players and yes, are you improving every day? That's of course the next thing you look at. Are they doing the right things in order to get wins? You can excuse a team for losing. In my opinion, everybody can disagree with me if they want, but you can excuse a team for losing, or you can excuse a guy for not getting goals. If you see them doing the right things in preparing 
in executing and continuing to stay at it. If they're doing the right things and they're sticking with it and they're resilient and they keep working, but they're not having success, I can forgive that. I can believe in your potential still. And that's what I want to see from the Sharks. Are you playing hard? Are you playing the way that Coach Quinn wants you to play? Are you playing and adapting? Are you being resilient? And are you executing? Mm -hmm. If you're doing those things, you should get more chances to win than not. But for me, I'm still going to be looking at wins and losses. Because that's, as fans, that's what we want to see. Do we not? Exactly. I I think that if you looked at the coaches' faces after the two games in Prague, they had that attitude. There's no question that they were disappointed that they didn't at least get a split. They knew that they're playing a good team. But what I like about David Quinn so far are a couple of things. Number one, I like what you talked about, his ability to communicate. One thing that you do in practice is you you tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them, and then you told them what you told them. He reiterates all the time. We were watching that in practice today, Drew, where, you know, he basically repeated in a, in a more succinct way what he started out with to make sure that the message was getting through. He hires people that have good communication skills and guys that he can mentor. You know, he, he hired Ryan Warsawski, who's a Calder Cup champion twice over. So he's getting guys that know how to win at the AHL level, which is tough to do. And he's also very good at delegating. I noticed that on the ice as well. He delegates to those assistant coaches and he's creating a culture within the coaches rooms uh, that he, he knows that each and every one of those coaches that he's hired is a very important part of the team. He does that with the players too. He communicates to them that each and every one of those guys is very, very important to him and to the team and they're important to each other. So I think it bodes well for the way that these guys gel together and improve over the season. And again, that's just only a couple of games in early on in, in what we see. We're going to see adversity. We'll see how, uh, you know, the personalities of, of everybody, coaches and players, um, handles that. And that's going to be an interesting time of the year. Injuries, knock on wood, is another thing you have to deal with. There are already a couple that they've had to, to handle, but uh, nothing as serious as of yet, except for Nikolai Knizhov, who is out for an extended period of time. But I think that those are all very positive things, and that's what's giving a, a fresh start for people like Logan Couture, who's coming in, like Mark Edward Vlasic, who's coming in and seeing this, hearing this, feeling this, and saying, hey, we, we really have something good going on here. We're going to make something happen. I want to get your guys' thoughts on the division. Um, you know, at the top, Edmonton and Calgary, those are the, the two teams that really look in. I'll qualify by this. Vegas has a high ceiling. It's an also a very unknown goal goalie situation. Yeah. But Calgary, Edmonton, Drew, let's start with Calgary. I mean, they big changes over the summer, but it's amazing to me that they are a team that made big changes that made themselves even better and have the beauty that is Daryl Sutter uh, talking trash in only the way that he could. The interesting thing about the Calgary Flames is they went through a stretch there where Johnny Gaudreau on the last out like from what we understand the deal was done he was staying in calgary and then there was a phone call that went back and forth <laughs> where gaudreau said I, i'll call you back and they went no we just need to clear that. no i'll call you back and at the 11th hour i'm not coming not coming back he goes to columbus right after that 
Matthew Kachuk, as they're trying to work on an extension, tells the Flames, no, I'm not signing an extension. I'm going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking. And I was in Canada, of course, all summer. Everybody's talking. Why doesn't anybody want to play in Canada? Why doesn't anyone want to play in, in Calgary? What's going on with Calgary? It's Daryl. It's, it's, it's the old building. It's Canada. It's the spotlight, blah, blah, blah. Then Brad Trilliving pulls off the trade of all trades because Florida has the best season they've ever had. And of course, what do you do when you have the best season you ever had? You fire your coach, who's a Jack Adams finalist. You trade your MVP and your top pairing defenseman. The question is, for Florida, did you pay too much for Matthew Kachuk, a young guy that could be on my team any day of the week? So they get a younger, cheaper guy, but Brad signs Huberdeau and Weger to eight-year deals. When you look at that lineup, Look, that is a Daryl Sutter lineup. Then they signed Nazim Kadri. So what's Daryl got? Daryl's got two Stanley Cups. What else does he have? He's got Lucic. He's got Toffoli. He has got Kadri. He has got guys who have won Stanley Cups also on that team. Trevor Lewis. Apparently today at practice, he had a little meeting of the minds. Coleman's the other guy who was on that team who won Stanley Cup. He had little meetings of the minds of the Stanley Cup winners. He and those guys were all talking at center ice. Hmm. That team, when you look at it from top to bottom, there's no holes. Yeah. They've got outstanding goaltending. They have got a tough, big, hard-nosed defense, and they're Daryl Sutter's type of team. That is a really, really stacked hockey team. So I, I agree with all that, Drew. I think the one thing about it is, is maybe Big D had that meeting with the guys just because he understands it's going to take a little bit of time maybe to get it all together to where they need to be. And I'm not yeah. going to say half the year it might not take that long, but just because of, of all of the changes and the fact that all these big guys are there, I think I think Kadri could be a really big addition to that team, especially the way that Daryl Sutter is going to use him. Uh, you know, it's interesting because don't you think I, I'd say that probably the odds on favorite to win the division this year is Edmonton only by a little bit. But those are the two teams that are you, you think you'd be fighting it out for the top spot. And the main reason why is the the strength up the middle with McDavid, with Dreisaitl, with Hopkins, uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins, I should say more correctly. Um, you know, that's that's just a, a pretty solid club. But, you know, you, you go back and forth between the lineups. I think over an 82 game schedule, Calgary might actually be better. I, I agree, but the one thing we have to look at with Edmonton, they've somewhat addressed their, their goalie situation, but is that enough? And then we all know how much pressure there is on those guys because of the big names that are there. I mean, the Edmonton, I think in a lot of people's eyes, is still underachieved. Uh, and whether that's fair or not, it's really, really hard to win in the NHL. But the the microscope, I mean, that it's set right upon those guys because – You've got a McDavid. You've got a dry saddle. People are expecting the, the top of the top. Well, I tell you what, here's the difference between Calgary and Edmonton. Daryl Sutter has gone out of his way and has Brad Treleving in the last week leading into this about stop talking about playoffs. Stop talking about the Oilers. Stop talking about conference finals. What's going to be a winning season for us? Daryl said it the other day when he was asked, what impresses you? Wins. They, they are, they're tamping down, stay in the moment, stay where your feet are. That's the, that's what, that's what they're thinking in Edmonton. I will tell you from experience, 
that's an impossibility. The players may be thinking, we got to stay where our feet are. we got to be where our feet are. But that media in Edmonton are relentless. <laughs> they never, ever stop. It's now when, when, they, when they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl and the way Kane played last year, they just keep, this is what they keep doing. They keep going to the top as much as they can. Now, being around that team, I'll tell you what, Connor and Leon, you never have to worry about them. Connor, Connor is the hardest working superstar since Joe Pavelski. Like Joe, I always think that Joe is a self-made superstar. Connor's, Connor's got amazing ability, but I'm just saying their mental makeup is the same. He practices as hard as he plays. And Leon's ferocious. Mm -hmm. That's a really good hockey team. The question is, can they check? You know, Daryl Sutter's team can check and will check. Can that group check? When and, will, and, will, and, will they, year, and will they check? Well, yeah. Well, when Jay came in last year, um, he said the one thing that they want, one domino they wanted to knock down. I, like, I love that term, one domino, because then one domino, one domino keeps going, right? Is being better five on five away from the puck. And they did that. Ken Holland had a great summer as well as Brad Trillian. Great summer. He, he added some talent on that team. That's a good, solid hockey club. Question is, is Jack Campbell legit? Is Jack Ken Campbell and Stuart Skinner the right combination? Is Jack Campbell, like he played well for Toronto at times last year. Toronto's Toronto. Is Jack Campbell enough? Because they kept... They kept turning and looking at Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen and going, they're the problem. They're the problem. They're the problem. Well, here's a chance to prove yourselves right or wrong. I like Stuart Skinner too. I think he's a pretty decent goaltender, but, but we'll see if that's, that's going to be the only difference that they have. You know, they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl for sure. I've been a, a fan of Evan Bouchard's too on defense. I like the way he plays. And Bomb Darnell... Bomb yeah, of a shot. we saw it a couple of times last no year. Speed. No speed, but boy, can he shoot? <laughs> yeah, he can shoot the puck. That's for sure. And, you know, you got CC and nurse. I mean, it's a decent defense. I still think Calgary's overall is a little bit better, better. but yeah, but down the middle, I mean, you, you can't argue with the top three no. and you know, there's, uh, there are other guys on that team that provide a lot of value. People like Ryan McLeod or Warren Fogle. These are, these are players, Derek Ryan to a degree. Zach Hyman, these are guys that are going to provide some value to your team and surround those superstars. You know, the question is, do they have enough to, to get through the grind of the season or, or do they care about it? You know, that's, that's the interesting part about Edmonton. You know, that, that is, that, that's an interesting point. I remember when Barry Trotz was before, the year they won the cup and I was talking to Barry and I said, what's the hardest thing coaching a really, really good team. And he said, making them care about the regular season. Yeah. You know, and that's and because good teams, great players, I'll think, I just flick it on. That was fun. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. So that's that's been the 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 wonderful aspect of the Tampa Bay Lightning. The care. There's a certain there's a certain way that you're supposed to do things as a Tampa Bay Lightning. So we established those two teams as the top two teams. After that, it gets a little more interesting. L.A. They were ahead of schedule last year. And you also have to wonder if Jonathan Quick can do it again. 
looked pretty Vancouver. good opening night. Yeah. The Vancouver uh, Boost Boudreau effect, does that carry over? Because they wow. were night and day. And then you start talking about Vegas. Vegas, to me, like I alluded to, they have a very high ceiling, but the goalie situation is a complete unknown. And then also, I think even as much as we saw last year, I think Jack Eichel, with a full offseason removed from the surgery, I imagine he is probably coming into this feeling like, he finally wants to prove himself to the world, and he's finally in a situation to do so. So they're, they're dangerous. But again, L.A. is very, very interesting to me, but really Vancouver is just because they were such a different team under Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, if it started the season, if that's their coach, you, we extrapolate, and they're a playoff team, no problem. Extrapolation isn't reality, though. No, and and, ahead, and what, what what's Vancouver, you know, how is Vancouver going to respond to all of that? You know, they need to have they still need to have pretty much everything going the right way in order for them to get there. They got to stay healthy. Brock Besser's got to get through the through the year. Elias Pettersson, these are these are their key guys on their club. And, and I haven't even mentioned their captain, Bo Horvat, who seems to be a real consistent player. You know, th- those are their the guys that stir the drink there. As on defense. I think Quinn Hughes is one of the best young players in the league. He's just so fun to watch. And, you know, when he's on the ice making things happen, it's it's really magical. And when you have problems, this team has the potential to be the New York Rangers of 2023 in the sense because Thatcher Demko is a really good goaltender, the kid from San Diego. He really is a solid netminder, and he can solve a lot of the problems that they have just by by winning games for them. So um, that's that's a that's a fascinating hockey club. I, you know, as far as Vegas is concerned, Ted, I think that Logan Thompson is going to develop into a good goaltender. I think that, that that might be the least of their problems. I think they have to still figure out how the chemistry is going to work. Having Eichel for the season healthy, knock on wood, is going to be good for them, and he's already off to a good start. But uh, they still have some some scars they got to get, get over with over the last couple of years with some of the big changes and the high mm-hmm. expectations they've had on that franchise LA in my mind. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I hate to say this because we, you know, Drew and I are both fans of Todd McClellan, but I think that they have the potential, even though they've upgraded their team to maybe take a slight step backward yeah. and maybe not necessarily be that third place team in the, in the division, but make the playoffs, but be in that group, uh, you know, that's, that's on the bubble just because of the way that, you know, we've seen franchises develop into Stanley cup contenders. And, you know, that's, that's no, uh, that's no push on the coaching staff or the players. It just happens sometimes where the year after you've had some success, you, you've had more than some teams have expected that you do maybe take a step backwards. And it's, it's a lot harder to stay there as you know, Drew in the top three than it is to get there. And, you know, that's that's the thing that uh, that L.A. has to deal with this season. And Jonathan Quick, as we mentioned, he's off to a good start. He played really well in game one, even though Vegas found a way to win at the end of the game. With you look at Vancouver and yes, Bruce Boudreaux had that dead dead cat bounce. um, And Bruce is a terrific coach. Yes, he is. But they got off. They had Brock Besser last year really feeling the effects of his father's illness. Yes, they had. Elias Pettersson start the season horribly, horribly. He was terrible start the season. They had a, their top players go through some hard times. That's all been now time as you hope healed some of their wounds and they move forward. That's a team that plays really quick. They got a terrific goalie. This, so that's a team that I think will make the push to the, to the, to the playoff. Don't know if there'll be a playoff team, 
but I think they're playing some really intense games in March. Um, LA, I like that team. And I maybe it's, it's, I like that team because I like, there's many aspects about it. Drew Doughty looks healthy. Jonathan Quick, I was listening to an interview with Kelly Rudy yesterday from Hockey Night Canada, former Sharks goalie, talked about um, the relationship that, that Quick has within that team. And Todd giving him the start in game one says a lot what they think about him. Andre Kopitar, is, I know Danny is one of your favorites. He's one of my favorites. Ted, I Absolutely. know you too. I mean, he's one of the class guys in the league and, yeah. and pretty, pretty impressive. They've got a good young team. But again, how do you build, right? How do you build to that next, that next step? So I think it's Vegas is to me a team that Ted, I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. They sh- last year was a complete bleep show, right? It just things went wrong. Well, so but, my question but let's, is this let's... about. I go back to it, it all went wrong because they decided to move on from their franchise defining player who was also when he wanted to be and where not when he wanted to be, but when he was you know healthy, he was the one of the best yeah. net minders in the game. That's yeah. always going to be a mistake to me that a glaring mistake. Like I feel like those were self-inflicted wounds. I understand there was cap issues, but to me that wasn't the way to try and solve it. That one man's opinion. Well, part of that's because of the Eichel deal, right? They had to make room and they had to find space and they had to dig in any way they could. And they were focused on that more than, and more than they were focused on the overall health of where their club was this year, they thought that they could get through it, but you know, injury to, you know, to stone, you know, problems being patch ready and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stone's another big question mark. Well, he game winner the other night, you know, so he's, he's off to a a roaring start and you know that if he's healthy, he's going to be a good player for them. But um, you know, to me, I think, I think that goaltending is the least of their problems. They just got to get their chemistry, right? I, I, Logan Thompson played well before. The I think he's very, good. Very short, but yeah. I tell you what, the, the flurry trade was ridiculous. But the question is about this, about Jack Eichel. <laughs> what is Jack Eichel? Who is he? What is he? Yeah. Is he, is he a franchise player? Now he had the unfortunate, it's like Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan, right? I mean, Taylor, Tyler. Connor, Jack. Well, Connor became Connor. Jack was in Buffalo. And um, he played some really good seasons in Buffalo. Usually against the Sharks. But he was, yeah, but he, but it's Buffalo, right? They weren't very good. So Jack felt that. So he got this breath of fresh air. He gets the next surgery done and everything else. The question is, can Jack Eichel be that guy for it? Can he be the franchise man? Yeah. Don't know yet. We'll find out. Um, Anaheim, not on the same road as the Sharks, but, you know, one one could be on, we could say they're on similar freeways, parallel, you know, journeys right now. What, What do we expect out of them this year? Because they do have some very exciting young talent, that in terms of their development is maybe a year ahead of where the Sharks are looking at with an Eklund and a Bordalo. I think they'll be better, but I don't think, I don't think they're there yet. I think they need a little bit more time. Uh, you know, you could say that if, if they, if everything goes right for them, they have a kind of a bounce like LA had last year 
you, you know, some of the guys you're talking about, Trevor Zegris, Mason McTavish is a pretty good young player. Jacob Silverberg's a solid veteran. Yeah. Um, Cam Fowler is one of my favorites to watch on D and they've got Klingberg for at least a year. Uh, Jamie Drysdale and other guys. So, you know, they've got, they've got some stuff that uh, to work with. Um, again, I think that they're going to take some baby steps forward and be in that group that the Sharks hope that they're in too. And that is a group that's in the hunt at the end of the season for a playoff spot. That's where I've got them. Drew. Yeah. I can't argue with that much. I like, I like there's, they've got some high end talent though, and they've got a really, really good goalie. So that can solve a lot of your problems, but they've got some high end skill level, but they've Trevor got a really, they've got, they got a really good goalie gets hurt though. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Zegers is one of the most exciting players in the national hockey league. Yeah. So much fun to watch. You love, love the enthusiasm and the, the juice that he has. And then of course, Seattle, uh, hard to judge anything off of year one of a expansion project. Um, I expect them to be better. They have taken steps this off season to improve the offense, but I, I got to wait and see. I, I'm not ready to try and say that I know what they are. I think I n- know what they are a little bit more than Vegas, but at the same time, to me, they are a huge, huge question mark beyond the fact that I expect them to be better, which is a low-hanging fruit, low bar to clear. They've added. I mean, they've added some talent. I like Dave Haxtell. I think Dave's a hell of a coach. Mind you, they all are in the National Hockey League. So they've added, and their expectations have gone up. I talked to Dave Haxtell earlier in the summer, and their expectations are, like, like we just talked about, you know, you're to be a to be a team that contends for a Stanley Cup playoff spot. They like their additions. I like the way they played last year. Um, but again, when you when you look at here's here's your team, here's the start of the year. Want to get to the playoffs? Who are you knocking out? Right? Last year's teams. Who are you knocking out? And that's what that's the the task that that the the teams that are underneath the, that for sure playoff teams have to be looking at who can we play better than who can we get more points than? And I don't know. Yeah. I'm with you, Drew. I, I'm with you. I think big picture, you're looking at them that the hard part for Seattle is they don't have enough time to allow Maddie Beneers and uh, uh, Shane Wright to really yeah. develop. They've got to do it. Remember, remember year one, Drew, Pat Falloon, 18 years old, scored 25 goals. Mm-hmm. So showed some of that talent, but might've been better for him to go to the Canadian Olympic team long-term. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's kind of where Seattle is right now. And that's where Hackstall comes in. He's got to be a, a really strong coach and dealing with the ups and the downs that those guys are going to have during the season. And they've got him surrounded with, you know, Andre Burakovsky is there. Um, you know, Yanni Gord has been, you know, part of that Tampa organization yep. before Carson Kuhlman came in from Boston and Ryan Donato. We know him. Adam so, Larson. You know, Adam, Adam Larson, Larson is a character guy. Eberly. I mean, they've got, they've you know, got some good veterans around. So they, they've got that, but, but it's going to be interesting because you really depend on those kids to maybe be further along in their development than they probably will be. If you want to challenge for a playoff spot. So let's fast forward to June. Are we watching Colorado and, and Tampa do this again? Sharks well, versus Ottawa. Yeah, Sharks versus Ottawa Stanley cup final. Ottawa is going to be a sexy team. Ottawa is a sexy team. They're going to be a good team this year. They're I think be so. fun to watch. I like the way DJ Smith does his job too. There. Um, well, right now that 
all all fingers are pointing at Colorado to, to give a chance to repeat, but we know as well as anybody, it's it's almost it's really hard to to repeat. Yeah. Interesting thing about Colorado was they lost some guys. They lost their start, their Stanley Cup winning goalie. Darcy Kemper didn't get a lot of praise, but if you looked at the analytics regarding Darcy Kemper, he's one of the best goaltenders in the last number of years on those A plus chances, the ones that should be goals, he's able to make that stop. Um, so they lose Darcy, they lose Nazem Kadri, who was a big part of it, but they've still got Kale McCarr, Rantanen, McKinnon, um, Landeskog. That is a hell of a hockey team. Yeah, but so, you just mentioned, and they've got Samuel Girard too. Girard, yeah, Girard, yeah, who you absolutely adore as a player. So that's a that's a really good hockey team. So yeah, today you look at Colorado and go, uh huh. Tampa, <laughs> tell you what, they're they're gonna. The the secret with Tampa is that they've always been able to to reach another level in the playoffs. They're good during the regular season, sometimes great during the regular season, but in the playoffs, they are undeniable great. They're resilient. They're tough. Like last year during the playoffs, how many times did we see guys get blocking a shot, taking a hit, having to go to the dressing room only about three minutes later to come back out? (laughs) Okay, let's go. I mean, man, they were inspiring to watch, but they just weren't good enough. But they still got Vasilevsky. Kucherov, Braden points healthy, um, Stamkos. That's a headman. But hey, the New York Rangers—they're—they're they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. I don't know if they're good enough, but they're pretty good. Now they gave them a real run last year, or, and of course or, they've got—they've got the goaltender too. Yeah, but also here's here's the other thing. What about Carolina? I think they're a team, they're a team that could get right in there without any problem. Exactly. So they've got goaltending. They've got great defense. They, they like, if you look at their, their forwards, you know, they took a hit when patch had the ankle or the, the Achilles problem, but he's going to miss a half a year yet, but I don't know, man, the East is stacked to me. Dan, where do you weigh in on all this? Well, Carolina maybe is probably going to be the most, the best conditioned team. We haven't even talked about Pittsburgh yet. They've, you know, they got all those vets that are still there that are going to give people trouble. Um, the Islanders are a team that w- was not as good as they should have been last year. I think they're going to be more of an issue. They didn't do and, anything though in the summer. No, but it sometimes it's the best thing you did is what you didn't do. And maybe that's what loose thinking. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I have full trust in, and what they've got going, I think Lane Lambert's going to do a good job. So, you know, from Saskatchewan. Well, well what, what do you expect? And yeah. hey, you know what? We've, we're talking about the East and we haven't even talked about Toronto yet. Well, okay. Well, the, the question with Toronto is they're a terrific team. They are. Except Matt Murray. They're, Kyle Dubas decided not to sign Jack Campbell. Right. Campbell goes to, goes to Edmonton. And you're going Matt Murray. Yeah, two-time Stanley Cup champion. But since then, where's his game going? Is he going to be the difference maker? If you're betting on, on Matt Murray, and Kyle Dubas did because there, he's on the last year of his contract as well, the general manager, is this going to be the first year since, first time since 2003 
they get through a first round of the playoff. They've got everything, everything, but my question is, can that guy in the net when the, when the chips are down, stop pucks? Well, here's the question. Is Matt Murray the guy, or is he just a placeholder until Ilya Samsonov is ready? And he's the guy that you go to in the playoffs. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Remember what, remember, remember, remember what Mike Keenan did one year. He had, he had John Casey playing in the IHL and he was the guy that, that got them all the way to the conference final by the time the season was over in St. Louis. So, you know, kind of crazy things can happen like that, but you know, how can you avoid a team uh, and talking about them that has Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, because they haven't won Danny because they haven't, they haven't won. They've been, they've been in a situation where they should be able to get through a round. They'll get through a round. They haven't done it for, is it, is it, 2000, it it's 2003. Yeah, it's going to happen. They haven't, I, they haven't been, they haven't been able to. In fact, they've wilted. They've last, last year, they ran into a better team. It's not like it was two years ago against Montreal. Last year, that felt like not, I guess I'm not le- that? legitimize it, but against Montreal. Yeah, two, no, I know, two, I year, know. two years ago, it was the hockey gods, uh, you know, paying a, paying a little joke on, on English speaking Canada with, with the flying Frenchmen, even though there aren't that many French guys on the team going out and, and, uh, and beating them again. Um, but, but I think, I think it's just, they've run into the wrong team. They should have last season. I thought they should have won the first round. They ran into a great team, but that was peaking at the right time as you talked about drew, but I still think that, uh, that they're, they're on the verge. They're on the verge of doing something special. And they remind me of some other teams we've seen over the years, you know, Washington had teams like that. The sharks have been through seasons like that, where you expected big things and they fell short. And until before they finally broke through to at least give themselves a chance. So uh, we'll see how it all works out. It's going to be interesting. Here's what you need to know about Toronto. Okay. The blue Jays has just lost to the Mariners, right? Right. And they, they on a huge comeback by the Mariners in the playoffs. Do you know who threw out the opening pitch on that big comeback game of the uh, Seattle Mariners against the Toronto Blue Jays? Austin Matthews. So they're blaming Austin Matthews right now. And all that is Toronto and all <laughs> Toronto's problems on the curse of the Leafs. That's they, they've got that hanging over them. It's all, it's all garbage, of course, but yeah, you ran into a better team, but you should have run into a better team. They, I'm not saying they were, they played better than you did when the chips were down. They played better than you did. It all comes. It all comes back to when they traded Stemmer and Gary Unger to Detroit, to Detroit <laughs> after they won the Stanley cup. I mean, it all goes back to that again. <laughs> I think it's like Ron Wilson said, it's hard to win in Toronto, man. It's hard to win in Canada. All right, Drew, what's your big question you're waiting to have answered entering this NHL season beyond the San Jose Sharks? I, I think the biggest, the biggest question to me is who is going to come out of this Western Conference? Did Are the Oilers really ready to take that next step and find eight more wins? Because that's what it, that's, they went to the conference finals, yes, but can they find eight more wins? Or did Calgary do enough? Is the Battle of Alberta going to be where in June – we're watching hockey. I hope we get the Battle of Alberta again. That was that was fun. That was fun stuff. That yeah, Dan. What about you? What's your big question you need to have answered? I think the big question is uh, how are some of these teams that are tanking it going to deal with that within their marketplace? Uh, Chicago, Arizona. What's what what's going to happen with these teams um, who have visibly taken that move? Which I don't think any team should. 
Um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how competitive they are or what, whether or not they can be spoilers during the season. And I think it's, it's a question that I have as, as to whether it's the right strategy or not. I, I will say this of Arizona, while I don't agree with what the team is currently doing, their housing situation, if I'm a fan of theirs, I think it's going to be a great environment because it's li- who's going to be there. The most intense fans. You're right on top of the action. I, I would want to go to that. I, I kind of want to go to a game when the Sharks are playing there because I think that'd be a fun environment. I might be crazy. It might be a pretty bad product on the ice. But from a fan perspective, I think that might be pretty fun. That'd be fun. I mean, remember, uh, Drew, when the Flames played at the Corral for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was, a you know, they had high price tickets, good atmosphere. Uh, and they used that to help buoy their team as as the as the years went on. We'll see what happens. I I still happen to think that TechCU Arena is a better facility than oh, the ones they're playing in. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be something that hangs over their head for a couple of years. But you know what? I, I really hope that uh, whatever plans they've got for Tempe work out for the Coyotes because that's a market the NHL needs to have. It's a it's a better hockey market than people are giving you credit for. You know, there 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 are more kids starting to play the game there. Mm-hmm. There's money there. It's a, it's a good US TV market and I'm I'm just hopeful that they get things together there and don't have to go somewhere else. Well, gentlemen, I think that is a wrap. It's the best time of the year. It's the start of the hockey season and we get to see the Sharks at SAP Center on Friday night. So I will see you gentlemen then and uh, have a good one. Good talking, you boys. Right on. And we look forward to having everybody on the audio network tuning into this. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.